Okay. Uh, somebody tell me what this is. It's a miracle, right? This is this is what the wife always asks you to grab when when something's squeaking or making too much noise. Honey, go get the WD-40 we need to put on there. Well, I want to talk a minute about WD-40 and what it is. And I actually want to talk about the name, what it stands for. Does anybody know what WD-40 stands for? Water. I'm so glad somebody knows this. It is water displacement formula number 40. Okay? So it's... It's a catchy name, and it's a name that we use all the time. Go get the WD-40. But really what this is, is this is the 40th try to get something that would work as well as this does. Okay? So basically what this is saying is, WD-17 didn't cut it. Okay? The door still squeaked. WD-33, it didn't work. WD-37, it smelled bad. I don't know. I mean, this stuff smells good, right? But WD-40, this is it. We don't have WD-1 through 39 in our house. We only have WD-40. And the reason why is because WD-1 through 39 failed. They didn't work. And so we finally... God's smarter than me, not we. They came up with something that would work, that would stop the squeak. WD-40. Christianity advocated a love which cut across racial boundaries. It sternly forbade sexual immorality, the exposure of children, and a great many other things which the pagan world had taken for granted. Choosing to become a Christian was not an easy or natural thing for the average pagan. So why is it that under such difficult circumstances, having come from where they were, how is it that the early church flourished? The reason is not what we read in Matthew 28. And unfortunately for some of us, that's the go-to verse. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is known as, does anybody know? Is anybody familiar with those verses? The Great Commission. We know the Great Commission. We go out into all the world. This was not the motivation that propelled the first century Christians to go out into the world. Now, I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I'm not saying that it wasn't important. But for some of us today, when somebody says, oh, really, are we supposed to go evangelize? We say, yeah, you want to know why? Because Jesus says, you need to go out. But that was not the motivation for the early church as to why they went out, why they risked their lives, why they followed a Jewish carpenter who was crucified. It was more than just, well, that's what Jesus said to do. And if you don't believe me, go look in Acts, specifically Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 15, in Acts chapter 17, in three different occasions, they were dealing with issues, 
specifically with Gentiles, and, and do we really include this group of people? Do we let this group of people come into this, this religion that we believe because Jesus came down, He's the Son of God? The answer was never, we go to the Gentiles because Jesus said we have to do it. Gentiles were evangelized not because they were told to, but because it was a part of their story. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Hopefully this will keep you guys awake for a few minutes. 20 or 30 minutes, maybe 45. What I want to do is I want to talk about the story that we are a part of, right? Okay, I'm going to try to put this here. and I want to talk about the story. These represent the four parts of the, of the larger story. Oh, thank you. That God was a part of. The story began where? In the beginning, which is Genesis. In Genesis, God created the world. Okay? And we can go back and we can look. And these, these four columns, they don't necessarily represent four different things. They just represent this was the part of the story. My hands have never shook so much in my life. Okay, there we go. This was the beginning of, of the story. Phase one of the story was that God would create the world. When he did so, he gave us the ability to choose, didn't he? And because he gave us the ability to choose, part of his story was what? It was the fall. It was Adam and Eve. It was the garden. It was the serpent. It was the desire to have something more, to be more. And so in doing so, we have the second phase of this story. The fall. Creation in which God created. He made the world. This was part of the plan from the very beginning. Also a part was he understood that because he gave us the ability to choose, that we would choose not to follow him. And we would see this played out over and over again where we had the choice. So what comes after the fall is redemption, right? We are a redeemed people. So what happens next? We have creation, we have the fall, we have redemption. What is redemption? Where do we get, where do we see redemption coming from? Christ. I knew you would say that. I knew you would say that. Does anybody disagree? Does anybody, does everybody say redemption comes from Jesus? We're in church, you better say yes. But I don't want to go there yet. And that's, that's really a problem that we have, is we immediately go to Jesus. And I want to go to Jesus, I want to get there, but somehow we think that nothing important happened between the fall 
and Jesus. Like everything else was just this, this filler. Like nothing worked. It was like plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. It didn't work. And all these things, it didn't work, it didn't work, it didn't work, it didn't work. And so finally God says, ah, I got it right. This time I will send my son. God's plan of redemption began right here, not several thousand years later with Jesus. Think about this. How has God's plan of redemption been a part of the story before Jesus? From the beginning. How about with Noah? God showed that he was a redeeming God when all of the world, all of the people in the world, had their thoughts on evil all the time. And God should have said, and I'm not going to do this now because I don't want to have to pick it up, but God should have did, boom, and said, I'm done with this. I created the world, it was perfect, and they, they, they chose not to follow me. And it went from eating the fruit that they were told not to eat from to every thought of every person was only on evil all the time. But God, from the very beginning, not, wait, wait, we got to get to, to Jesus to think about a loving, forgiving God. God was a loving and forgiving God with Noah. When he said, the world is terrible, they treat one another terrible, they sacrifice each other, they kill one another, they do terrible things all the time, and he could have said... I'm glad he didn't say, but he could have said, this is all done. But instead, part of the redemption plan, redemptive plan, began with Noah. And things rocked along, and we get this very dysfunctional family from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But this is part of God's redemptive plan, because after he has the... After he has Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through them he says, I'm going to create a people. And these people I'm going to use to show the rest of the world who I am. Because I love them and I want to redeem them. Well, that was a part of his plan. His plan to show the world that he's a redeeming God continued on in the second book of the Bible when we have Exodus and the delivering of the people when so many times he would deliver them, he would feed them, he would guide them, he would give them something to drink, he gave them clothes that didn't wear out and still over and over again they complained. But we don't have to wait till Matthew chapter 1 to hear about a redeeming God. Because God redeemed His people then. He delivered them out of slavery slavery, and He revealed themselves. The prophets also tell of a redeeming God. The story of Hosea, if you haven't read it in a while, go back and read it. It's the story of a redeeming God. When we get to Jesus, this is not like, oh wow, we have a really nice loving God. God revealed Himself 
throughout the Old Testament. And, and you're probably here like, I'm tired of hearing the history. What does this have to do with me? It has so much to do with us. Because this is a big one. Because the redemption plan started in the Old Testament. It started, God redeemed people. And He delivered them as they were going throughout the desert. And He used His prophets to reveal Himself to be a loving, forgiving God. Nope, not yet. And then came Jesus. Notice that when Jesus came, He did not come and throw the Old Testament away. Somehow we think, oh, when Jesus came, all of a sudden the Old Testament isn't really important. No, no, no. The Old Testament shows that God is a redeeming, faithful God. And Jesus, He is God who redeems. Right? I shared this with the ladies' Bible class this last Tuesday. Shameless plug. Uh, Ladies, if you have nothing to do on Tuesdays at 9.30 in the morning, come up uh, here and join us as we study the Bible. We're talking about hope. And this, this last week, we found ourselves... I just mentioned about how important... The Old Testament is. That Jesus didn't throw aside the Old Testament. He didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. He was a continuation of who God is. And this is really important. And this is why the the early church thrived. Because they understood that they were a part of this story of a redeeming God. But listen to this. We're going to spend just a few minutes. I've shared this uh, passage several times before, but it's worth reading again. It's in Luke chapter 24. This is after Jesus has been crucified, He has been buried, and now there's rumors of a resurrection. And two, uh, we believe gentlemen, it could be a man and a woman, but one of them's name is Cleopas, and his companion are walking down the road. They have just left Jerusalem. It is day three. And all of a sudden, somebody joins them on the road. Listen with me as I begin reading in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. It says, Now that same time, two of them were going down, going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He disguised himself. We don't know how he did it, but they didn't know who he was. And he was listening and he says, hey, he says, what are you guys talking about? And they say, are you a visitor to Jerusalem? Are you clueless? Do you have no idea what has taken place these last days? That's my paraphrase. In fact, they even stopped. When he asked that question, what are you talking about? They just stopped, put their heads down because they were so downtrodden. And he says, aren't you a visitor? You don't know what's happened? And he said, what things? I love this. Jesus knows exactly what's going on. And then they start talking about Jesus to Jesus that they don't know Jesus is there. 
And he's listening. He says, what things? Jesus asked. They said, Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the, uh, and all the people. The chief priest and our elders handed him, our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, but they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions who went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And listen to this, verse 27. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus' first day out of the tomb. Well, he was out of the tomb. This is his first day back down to earth. Right? And what is he doing? He's talking about the Old Testament. And how he is a continuation of a story of a God who loves his people. He spent a good portion of that afternoon on into the evening, revealing himself to them and talking about how the Old Testament was a part of God's plan. It was not an, oops, I didn't know what I was doing. We better send Jesus to fix things. Now this is really, really important. And you're saying, why is it really important that the Old Testament is a continuation? Because, listen to this. Because the redemptive story of God did not end with Jesus. Do you get that? The redemptive plan that God has for His children did not end with Jesus. And you're saying, wait, 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 that doesn't make sense. Are you somehow suggesting that Jesus was not enough? No, 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 no. You did not hear that. But the plan that God has for this world did not stop with Jesus. Do you know who picked it up next? Do you know who this is? This is you. We are the sent out. Somehow we get this idea that maybe, that maybe Jesus came and now we're just going to hang, like God doesn't really have a plan, like everything was finished with Jesus and now we're just going to coast until He comes back. That is not God's plan. God's plan... God's plan was that redemption would continue to occur. 
It occurred with Noah when he got on that ark that God had instructed him to build. It continued on with Abraham as he became the father of many nations. Did you know that when God spoke to Abraham and said that the world would be saved through your offspring, did you know that includes you? Listen to this. I love this. This is what Christopher Wright uh, says uh, in his book. He says, For the church is to be nothing less than the multinational fulfillment of the hope of Israel, that all nations will be all that all nations will be blessed through the people of Abraham. We continue that story. We continue that story. Last weekend, and I, I took a picture, and I was going to show you, and I decided not to. But last last weekend, uh, our family had a little project. Uh, uh, Wyatt was gone, but. But Gracie, boy, she was a great helper. And Lily uh, and Jennifer and myself, we decided to paint the playhouse. Uh, Several years ago, um, I decided that what my kids really needed, and they said that they wanted was, they wanted a playhouse where they could go and hang out. And I thought, what better way, what better gift can I give my kids than a place for them to go outside away from us? Because parents need sanity. So let's give them a, a safe place where they can go and they can play and they can have fun. And they won't yell and scream at each other. And I actually made it two stories. There, it, and, and it's not super tall, but the first story is probably about this tall. I have to duck to get in. And then I made a second story to put it on. Right? Okay. This last weekend, we did something that has been needed to be done for a really long time. We painted the thing. We finally got around to painting that thing. And as I was painting it, I was thinking about how this is a continuation of something that started. And in fact, several times throughout the project, I stopped and took pictures. And I'm even glad that before I even swung a hammer for the first time, I took a picture of where I was planning the playhouse to be. And it was nothing. There was nothing there. And then a couple days later, I took a picture of the foundation and I had the studs that were going up to the the first floor. And then I added on to that. And then as you see, as the pictures progress, you see that that I was able to put siding on and we got a roof on. And some of you guys here helped me put the roof on because I nearly killed myself trying to put it on by myself. And we put that on and you saw the shingles go up and I cut out for the windows And every part of that project was bringing it to completion. You can't skip a step in that. You can't have a second floor without the first floor. You can't have the the last phase of God's story without being a part of this one. Why did the first century church endure hardship and persecution? Why were they willing to watch their families get separated? Why were they allowing themselves to be thrown into a den with lions or to be torn apart limb by limb? Because they knew 
that they were a part of the story of redemption. A story that did not end with Jesus, but it kept on. I look back several uh, days ago as we were painting that uh, playhouse. And I realized that, that every part of that construction process relied on the previous one. And if one part of that process had been skipped or left out, it would have fallen apart. There are people five years from now, ten years from now, a hundred years from now, I don't know how long until the Lord comes, but I believe that today we have a story of redemption that people in the future will thank us for being a part of. We are continuing to build on the plan that God meant from the very beginning. And so here we go. We have the final phase. We started off with the creation. We then moved on to the fall. Then we have this rather expansive part that included all the way back to Noah and falls all the way forward to now and on into the future. It hasn't ended. It is the redemptive plan that God has for the world. The redemptive plan that you are a part of. And finally, we're not there yet. We want to skip. We want to say, ah, we missed up, then Jesus, and now this last one. But I don't want us to skip the fact that we are a part of a plan that brings forth the new creation. I want to read this one passage from Revelation 20 before we uh, dismiss. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first earth and the uh, the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Listen to this, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them, and He will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no mourning, no death, no crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. We are a part of a story that leads to the new creation in which God will come down and heaven will be restored here and we will be one with God. That is our story. 
When people say, ah, oh, do I really have to go talk to my neighbor? And somebody says, well, Jesus says, go out into the world. No, that's not the motivation. We're a part of the story. This is us right here. This is your story. God's plan of redemption is not solely that Jesus would come and save the world and we're just going to hang out until He comes back. No, no. We get to share. We don't have to share because we're told to. We want to. This is God's story and you're a part of it. And someday, years from now, when the new heaven comes down, we can say, this is our story. If you're here because you have to be here, if you're here because your mom made you, are you here because you have nothing else to do? If you're here because, well, it makes you feel good, if you're here because, well, I've done a lot of bad things and so maybe I should do some good things to even it out, no, we're here because we are part of God's story that shows the world that redemption is available to all people. No matter what has happened in your life, no matter what mistakes that you have made, we are a part of the story because of Jesus. And He says, come and be a part of it too. Let the world know who I am. We trust in Jesus. And we are partnering with Him so that we can tell the rest of this world about a God who loved us, who created us, who didn't give up on us, who continued to redeem us, and He is bringing down new creation. A new creation for us to be a part of. And that's why I'm, I'm excited about studying about what this really is. And it's why the first century church love to talk about Jesus. They believed it was their business to go and travel and talk about who Jesus is because it's their story and it's ours too. I hope you embrace this story and you will join us as we share it to the rest of the world. Let's do it as we stand and sing.